Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I had a BMW convertible, but I was broke. And I mean, I really was. I didn't have any discretionary cash flow. I just kind of juggled stuff. And it just, it felt really, really wrong in a lot of different ways. And the career path, I'm again, I, I would have been making a ton of money at a very young age. It just, it just didn't feel aligned with what I, in my heart, I knew that I wanted to make sure that I had a stable family and a community where we had friends and I wanted to have a good financial career, but not to the extent that it was going to cause me to violate some values that my mama taught me. Guys, going to be a fun episode. We're bringing on Daryl Lyons and talking about his journey of growing up as a poor kid that had to discover things through his journey in life by really going through it and now runs a very successful company and he's taking us on his journey. So enjoy this one. guys gonna be another fun episode i'm your host donnie bovine and today i'm bringing on daryl lyons and this is gonna be a fun story i'm looking forward to this one so daryl welcome to the show my friend please tell us your story yeah thanks for having me so i'm from san antonio texas and i'm in the money business i help people with their money and i've been doing that for uh, since 1999 yeah i grew up in a in a house that didn't have much money. That was the motivation. We lived in a little single wide trailer park right off the highway. And I just wanted to know how people had houses without wheels. And <laughs> so I, I mean, it was, it was really a weird curiosity. It was a, I just wanted to know. And I remember seeing the banker in the town and his house had a foundation and it was nice. And I thought, man, how do people do that? Cause people around me weren't, you know, they were all struggling. So I went to college and first thing I did was work at a bank and I was a bank teller and that's how I paid my way through school because you know, obviously didn't have that much money. So I paid my way working at as a bank teller uh, right at, it was in the west side of San Antonio, which is an interesting part of San Antonio because it's one of the poorest areas of San Antonio, one of the highest pregnancy rates in the entire country. The primary language in that community is Spanish. So I was a skinny white kid in the middle of the <laughs> So I learned Spanish quickly, at least banking Spanish, but I got a degree in accounting, another one in finance, and started in this industry right after school. I worked for some big companies, but I quickly realized I was going to be on a path to New York or Chicago and San Antonio's home. And so I quit those companies and started PAX Financial Group, which is the company that I own today uh, with some other advisors. And, you know, that was not an easy journey to make that transition from kind of a cushy corporate job to small business, but it was something that I was really called to do, you know, mainly because one time when I was young, I saw my dad get laid off and I never wanted to get laid off. So I really felt compelled to start my own business and uh, never looked back since then, but it hasn't been an easy journey. I'll tell you that starting a business. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So let's walk through it. You grow up 
outside of San Antonio, which is a good sized city in, you know, the southern U.S. and Texas. And on that journey, you're growing up in a single wide mobile home trailer with wheels, which, you know, I've lived in, in as well on, as part of my journey. And the joke was always, can you really call it home if you can pick it up and take it anywhere you want to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what was it like, you know, growing up in, in that humble of a beginning, you know, going to school, everything else, and really seeing people having things that you wish you had? Yeah, you know, you don't think it impacts you, but I remember one kid, I was, hacky sacks were real popular when I was a kid. I remember playing hacky sack, and I asked him if I could borrow his hacky sack, and he said, well, at least I can afford one. And, you know, those little things kind of, you know, it's just kids being kids, but it yep. stings. And then uh, you know, later on in life, I'm going to take uh, my uh, my girlfriend on a prom date and the roof on our car, you know, that's that fabric fell. All right. I mean, it, it's just on our heads. Right. So so on the date, and this is, by the way, a very old minivan, I staple up the. <laughs> I staple it up. The problem was the staples all fell in her hair throughout the night. Staples, <laughs> So it's just these things that happen. But I got to tell you, today's the 1st of November, and I have a mortgage like everyone else, and it's very reasonable. My financial situation is great today. It's really incredible. But I have a mortgage payment, and I got to tell you, I woke up this morning, and I, I go, man, praise God, I can pay the mortgage. Like, I got to tell you, it's the little things that, that I get super excited about because of my point of reference, and I really authentically am thankful I can pay the mortgage. <laughs> now, that's awesome. So w- w- with your date at prom, she couldn't pass it off as it's just glitter? I mean, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I mean, I grew up in a little bitty town in Kansas, and, you know, we didn't own any of the houses we lived there, and, you know, we were renters. I was the youngest of three boys, so I had the hand-me-down clothes. And if you go back and you look at my like my elementary pictures, you know, I got, like, the cowlick comb-over hair because probably cause couldn't afford, a, you know, gel or anything. I've got clothes that are a little bit too big for me because they came from my brothers and didn't fit. And but I looked happy, which was which is always yeah. you know mind blowing to me. Is I don't really think I understood we were poor in in a lot of those guards until I had interactions similar to you. I mean, I had a young guy, you know, at one point look at me and you know he said, "You can't sit here because you're poor." And I chunked his milk across the cafeteria. I mean, you're like <laughs> eight years old, right? Did you know that you guys weren't financially I don't want to say stable, but, but, you know, uh, at a different tier of financial wealth growing up. Yeah. Because we lived in a community that was, um, relatively affluent. So it's kind of strange. You know, my middle school years was in a town called Bernie and, and a, and a lot of my peers were doing things that I, I just wasn't doing. And, you know, they were going on a vacation or they had a, a boat or they had, you know, multiple cars and you just started to, you just, it just started to click, you know, this, your financial situation is not the same. So, uh, you know, that's not uncommon where, you know, today we, you know, we base our, our worth or our status relative to who we hang out with. And that was the case when I was younger too, when we were around a bunch of an affluent community, but we were in that pocket. It would probably have been easier if we just we're in a pocket of a bunch of poor people, and then we're all like, oh, it's all the same. But it, right, that wasn't, normal, right. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I had the same experience when I went from Kansas to Texas. You know, we came from a very small country farming town to suburbs of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, that was when I first realized that we weren't like everybody else. You know, the clothes were different, hairstyles are different. Now, for me, at that point, that's when I got really rebellious and found myself getting in a lot of trouble. Did that status for you have the same effect, or did you seem to own it better than I did? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Dallas will do that to you. Dallas will make you reframe your money, that's for sure. <laughs> Dallas money is different money. Those that are in Texas know that. But I, um, you know, what I ended up doing is I, I ended up taking it out on the football field. And uh, that was where my aggression happened. And, and I would just clock your head off on the football field. <laughs> my, 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 whole, my whole desire then changed to I'm going to get a college scholarship in football, and that's going to be my ticket. Um, and that didn't work out. Um, for a number of reasons, but I'm actually really thankful it didn't work out. And today, you know, at the time it was really devastating because I thought that was, you know, that was my ticket, but really, really super thankful. I'm not, you know, I'm not damaged goods today because of some <laughs> of the, the way I played, I, the way I played, you know, today is just not, it's not healthy. Yeah, no, um, I get that's where I took it out at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's an answer for a lot of kids is, is at some point in their life, they're like, okay, I've got to escape. I've got to get out. What's my answer? For me, it was the Marine Corps, right? That was my, my ticket out of town to try and change my life. For a lot of people, they try and do the sports route. You know, for me, I discovered along the way that all I was trying to do is run away from me. But everywhere I went, there I was, right? Yeah, yeah that's so true. That's that's a good point. We could yeah, probably yeah. unpack that little comment for about an hour, right? Good thought. Yeah, yeah. So so you get out of high school and you find yourself in banking. What was that transition like going from you know lower income to now you've got to sit? and deal with people who have money and the whole nine yards. Yeah, you know, when it was when I was a bank teller, that was kind of a cool um, – because I did that in college. That was kind of a cool reframing in my life because now the, the bank that I worked at, a lot of people were real poor, and then all the college kids were relatively poor, um, you know, just being college kids. Their families were very rich, but they – so I felt pretty comfortable, like, in my own skin in that environment. But it still took some work because, you know, you don't understand things. You don't understand how to tie a tie. I'll never forget somebody. I was like, how do you get – I asked Brett. I'll never forget. Like, how do you get your shirts to stay so nicely ironed? How do you do that? And I had no idea there was some, something called dry cleaning. Dry cleaning. Right? <laughs> and so, the you know, I started to just pick up on these things. And so, you know, it was mainly just kind of picking up clues on how uh, to communicate and how to how to behave. I then when I graduated and I worked for a Fortune 100 company, and then I was around I was around money, and and that's when. But that was not. It was really an unhealthy. It was. I don't know what God was doing in my life, but I got around money in a very unhealthy way just immediately. Because I have somewhat similar, you know, when I finally got to St. Louis and I'm going after corporate America and I'm working for a very large company, you know, wearing the suits and uh, live in that environment. For, for me, I found that it wasn't the the 
what I thought it was. You know, growing up as a kid, if you saw somebody in suits in a corporate building, you know, that was success, you know. Um, that was the successful guys. But once I got there and I got that, you know, it sucked. I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you know, was that pretty much the same ride for you? For me, it was um, it was close to that. What had happened is, is I was looking for a mentor to teach me how to – how to tie a tie, you know, how to dress, how to walk. I was looking for that. And so I found a couple guys that, um, that decided that they were going to mentor me. And so very amiable and just very ambitious, just trying to learn from them. And they would teach me everything to do that was wrong. <laughs> and, and, and financially, let me give you some of the advice I got. Daryl, you're going to be a lot more successful when you get a Lexus and you get married. Okay, fair enough. But that's not the kind of advice that I was that that really I know today to be good advice. But these two people in particular that were that was my attempt to to reach out for a mentor. They both filed bankruptcy. They both had deep deep marital issues. They were very very phony. And so you know that that was my point of reference. And so I had to kind of unwind that now. Like okay. Now, who do I trust in the corporate world? And I really became, that's when I started to become very jaded towards anything corporate. And I was like, I'm just getting out of this. I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do it what I think is the right way. And so it's taken some years to unwind me not looking at a suit saying, what's your hidden agenda? <laughs> right. So that takes me a while. I actually, if I see a suit, you know, I'm in New York or I'm in Chicago. You know, I do the I do the Wall Street thing. Like I go and I see all these investment people. But because of my experience, I look at them kind of like, okay, I'm 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 watching you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that you're the real deal. And it takes a while to get through that. Well, in, you know, it, it's the same thing. You know, I'm up in the Fort Worth market now, and you know, you go to an event, and you can immediately pick out the bankers, the financial advisors. You know, because they're the only ones in the room with a suit on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, cause somewhere along the way, somebody said, you know, if you want to be, you know, successful, you've got to wear a suit and, you know, dress to who you want to become, which is just phony, but that's interesting. You know, part of the message I think for me that I love giving out to people is, you know, be comfortable with who you are. Don't try and become somebody else. Oh, and, so good. Yeah. And as a young age, I think we're constantly, looking towards other people and trying to become them versus, you know, spending more time in our own head. Um, how long did you play the banker game? That was four years in college. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you jumped into the financial advisory world and started down that path. Yeah. I was rookie of the year for a big company, partner of the year for a big company. And I was heading up to New York. I was heading up to Chicago. I was making awesome income. I had, a, I didn't have a Lexus. I had a BMW convertible, but I was broke. And, <laughs> I was, I mean, I really was, I didn't have any discretionary cash flow. I just kind of juggled stuff and it just, it felt really, really wrong in a lot of different ways. And the career path, I'm again, I, I would have been making a ton of money at a very young age. It just, it just didn't feel aligned with what I, in my heart, I knew that I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that I had a, a stable family in a, in a community where we had friends and and I wanted to have a, a good financial career, but not to the extent that it was going to cause me to violate some values that my mama taught me. Yeah, so no Wolf of Wall Street for you then, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. But I saw, you know, I saw glimpses of that, and and it wasn't, it, you know, you started to question yourself, like, am, am I, you know, sh should I, you know, get into that game? You know, the, the one area that I was struggling with is golf, right? So. The, the idea was, okay, Daryl, you've got to be a good golfer 
in order to be successful in, in this industry. And so, man, I tried so hard to play that game and I was just really bad at it. And, and I was finally comfortable. I said, you know what? I can, I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to do what I like to do, which is, you know, today, if I can go fishing or hunting or, or just being with my family and I just do what I want to do. Right. And I don't try to worry about a golf game. People ask me to play golf. I just tell them I don't play and that's, and I'm comfortable with that. But 15 years ago, I would say, oh, let me figure it out. And then I'd spend three hours practicing. And then I'd, I'd be horrible. So being in my own, comfortable in my own skin today is, is much more relaxing than it was trying to be somebody else 15 years ago. Yeah. Was that through trial and error? I mean, you didn't wake up one morning and go, damn it, I'm just going to be myself. <laughs> you know, did failures finally stack up and you were like, all right, I'm going to embrace me? Or was it some epiphany? Well, it was a little of both. There was an event where I was, this was about, I'm trying to think, I think it was about nine years ago. That was a really good, good event for my life because I was really struggling. I had placed a trade on a client's account and I lost him a ton of money. I mean, it, it was, I just lost it. It was gone. It wasn't coming back. It was a mistake. He had a beard and guns and he wasn't happy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then I tried to play golf. I was doing this golf thing and I, and I was still trying that. And I just played a, a round where it was, I was, it was embarrassing. And then I ended up trying to do this jogging thing and I go to San Diego before a conference and I, I get lost before the conference. I, I don't have my phone on me at the time. And so I'm, I'm running in, in the middle of San Diego highways trying to figure out my way back. And so just kind of a degree of frustration. I, I get back. This is February. I won't, I don't forget this because there's beautiful sunglasses and a leather jacket kind of day. And my wife's pregnant with our third child. And I said, look, just stay home and I'm going to go get some groceries at the grocery store. So I throw my little girl in the back seat and she's two at the time. Her name's Claire. She's a little blonde girl. And we drive to the grocery store right up the road. It's HEB is what it's called in San Antonio. And she rolls down the window and we're just singing and all of a sudden she screams. Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Point Blank Safety Services does safety differently. We know everyone is on a journey and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely. Professional, trained, ready. There's really no comparison. Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project will make all the difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe Everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. 
what she had done is she had stuck her finger out the window and, and kicked with her foot the electronic up button. So her finger was in between the window frame and the window. Ow. It was stuck. And so I swerved over into the McDonald's parking lot, and she's screaming, and I she releases her foot. I thought I was going to have to punch the window, but she releases her foot, but her finger severed, and there's blood everywhere. Oh. And so I rushed to the Baptist Hospital. And Dr. Chris Phelps successfully reattaches her finger. But that night, we lost our third baby. And so, wow. you know, you got to think about this for a second. You're at a point where, you know, I'm, I'm questioning who I am, you know, athletically and as a, as a business guy because I had a bad trade and, you know, now this. And so I'm really not – I'm kind of uncertain of what's going on here. So that's when I grabbed a guy that had, had actually read the Bible. And I started to unpack life with him a little bit more. And he gave me some clarity that refocused who I was and what it meant to, to be a man. And so that, that was a cataclysmic moment for me. So I started to behave differently about nine years ago, even though I had believed in God most of my life, that was, that was a really defining moment when I really became more comfortable in my skin and, and less anxious, less worried, less driven by fear. I would say that's probably been one of the most cataclysmic moments in my life where I reframed who I was as a man. No, that's, that's awesome. You know, and what I love about that is I think going through life, we're all looking for a guide of some sort, man. And, you know, as, as we go about this journey, we're hoping something, someone, maybe the universe, whatever shows up in our life and says, hey, you know what? You need to really start heading in this direction. Um, and I think a lot of times we look in the wrong places until, you know, we get to a place. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it's they've got to hit some sort of rock bottom or they've got to hit some sort of life punching them in the face to to finally go, okay, something's got to give, something's got to change. So I'm sorry I went so south, um, but I'm glad you discovered yourself uh, along the journey. And, you know, when people sit down with financial advisors, there's a lot of fear that goes through their minds, right? You know, because yeah. you've got to get completely naked when you, I mean, mentally, when you sit across from a financial advisor, because you're opening up your entire book of business, your entire everything. And money's one of those things that people just don't want to talk about. You know, it could rank right up there alongside of sex. You know, you just don't talk about it, right? right. Uh, um, your journey of being a financial advisor, how often are you sharing your story about your upbringing and everything else to kind of put people at ease so you can really help them with wealth development and the other things you do? Yeah, it's a good point. So typically in any meeting, we have a – to kind of give you context, we have seven advisors at our office today and they can all finish my sentences. So they're, it's a great cohesive team of people. So you um, have I, seven wives. Got it. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Male wives. I know that's odd, but it's, right, right. <laughs> well, no, one's a female. So, okay. Right. They're great people. Over the last 10 years, I've seen thousands of people kneecap to kneecap and had thousands of conversations. But then as the business has grown, I've had to see less people for, you know, I have to run a business that has a lot of, there's a lot of implications for not paying attention. So I'm seeing less people. The reason I mention that is because today the people that I'm seeing know my story. Like they know it completely. See, I only see about 90 or some odd people today. But prior to that, when I was meeting somebody for the first time, I would always share my journey. Always. Because people want to do business with people that they can relate to. 
And so I wanted to get it on the table. If we're not relatable, then that's okay, but this is who I am. And most people became endeared to me, and it wasn't a sales tactic. It was just this is who I am, and this is the point of reference I'm going to look at life at. And So that may mean sometimes I'm going to ask you about your giving, right? As a financial advisor, that may you may say that's not relevant to investment growth, but but what I've identified is because I'm a giver today and that you, because of my faith, that's a big part of my life, my financial life, I've identified that giving is actually something that reduces depression. Science has proven this. And so I want to make sure that I'm asking about their giving. Now, because I've shared my story with them, they understand that I'm going to ask those questions from time to time. If I share my story with them in the initial engagement and they realize that their values not align with my values, then they cannot engage with me. And that's cool. But if they've engaged with me after hearing my story, then that gives me a permission slip to a certain degree. I try to be very careful about that to ask them questions that are going to be outside the periphery of a normal financial advisor. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, the other struggle with financial advisors as a whole is, you know, a lot of people are being hired right out of high school, right out of college, and they have no experience, no skin in a wall, and they're supposed to be advising people on their wealth and and everything else when they still have no idea how to write a check, you know. What's a check? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, only reason I have a checkbook anymore is because for my business. Some people just want a check versus. Uh, I get it. Yeah, but but you know, so it's it's just one of those industries where companies can literally take anybody, have them pass one test, and now they're a financial advisor. Well, I'll tell you, that's frustrating to me because over the years I've lost, you know, clients just like anyone else, you know, just after after so many years. And I'll lose a client because their nephew got in the business. Right. And I'm like, what I mean, what do I say to that? You know, you you have the information in front of you. You see, I mean, I got a ton of letters behind my name and but you know, I get that. And yeah, I was that guy, right? So I started out at twenty one and trying to pitch it was a real hard thing because I stopped telling people I was an advisor and just sold them stuff. Like, I'm just going to sell you life insurance. And and they would be, okay, okay, you're going to be my life insurance guy, cool. Or, or I'm going to sell you an investment. So I just became a salesman rather than an advisor because I wasn't really, I, I wasn't worthy of being an advisor. I haven't done life yet. What's cool today, though, I think the industry is changing. There's something called registered investment advisory firms that are really popping up and really becoming the new framework for how financial advice looks. And we're one of those. And what that means is, is that we have a group of salaried advisors. And what we're doing is we're bringing in students from like uh, Texas Tech's a great place for this, bringing them in and having them become a mentee for a number of years until they've gotten more experience and more life experience and understanding. And they're not in a sales role. They're just providing what we call paraplanner work, doing the basic casework design. So that model is happening across the country. That's much better entry than what we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years where they throw somebody out and say, go call all your 50 friends and family. That model's still out there for sure, but we're seeing a change, and, and I think it's for the good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I really want to dive into that a little bit more, but because of my years in sales training, I have been privy to some brand-name financial advisory firms and their training programs and that I had to walk away from because morally – I couldn't associate, nor did I want my company or brand associated with it, but they're telling these kids literally 
you know, go in hard closed. Don't walk away from the business till you get the deal. Browbeat them over the head. And then these kids wash out in six months when they can't keep up that pace. And then the company wins because they get to keep those clients. And they're just turning these kids through. And, and it's, it's tragic. But once companies get to that fortune you know, one where they're actually getting traded and on the, you know, they have to increase revenue or they lose investors and they forget where they came from. So that's really, really, really cool. So with this registered financial advisory firm, that's, that's the first I've heard of this. Is that like a CFP type thing? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's slightly different. The CFP is an educational component versus an RIA as a, as a license. So, okay. so I'm so a it's regulated. Yeah, that's regulated. The RIA is you register, it's a registered, so you're registered with the SEC investment advisor. And so what a lot of the big firms are, are called broker dealers where they sell product and they distribute product through the advisors. Uh, many of the broker dealers, not all of them, but a lot of advisors have gotten very tired of the broker dealer model of the big, big firms telling them what to sell, what to do, what technology to use. They've broken away. They've dropped licenses that historically were the sacred cow, the Series 7, 663. I've dropped all mine. They said, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore because the regulation and the archaic technology is preventing me from being an entrepreneur and doing what I need to do with my client. But I will be a registered investment advisor directly with the SEC, and, and I'll be accountable to them and not this third party. And so that's happening more and more and more. That's very, very, very cool. And are you guys, what's your plans for the future? I mean, are, are you guys staying in San Antonio or you're going to conquer the world? <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, being a Christian, there's a scripture that says, go tell people from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and beyond. I keep, keep thinking about that because it's a really good business model. You know, try, try to take care of your local people and then just go from there. And so we've, but I will, with that being said, I did open up an office in North Carolina. So we have one there now. I'm opening an office in New Braunfels, which is just north of San Antonio. And we do have plans on adding more people to our firm. We are expanding our practice. We've partnered with a company in California to implement a comprehensive behavioral finance strategy for our clients because what we've recognized is that the majority of investment and investment results are not from us making good trades or picking the right investments, but rather from people making good decisions. So we want to invest a lot of technology and a lot of our time in helping people make better life decisions. And that's, that's actually a process that's going to be very rigorous that we're going to put our clients through, but not rigorous in terms of it's going to take a lot of work. It's just, it's going to be very thoughtful so we can understand their situation and the biases that they might have that's preventing them from really accelerating their network. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show or people who have dreams of being business owners and entrepreneurs. What's some of the things that they should be looking out for as they're getting prepared to jump into one of the most difficult endeavors in their <laughs> life of, of running a business? Yeah, no kidding. So first of all, if I could go back, I would worry less. I, I mean, worry kind of that overwhelmed me. And I understand there's like this healthy worry, but I mean, I worried all the time and I would get up at 4 a.m. and I'd work my tail off. I neglected sleep. I thought, you know, I'm just going to work myself. And I didn't realize now that I sleep how how much more I can think. I mean, I'm just, a, I'm a, I can react quickly. I can think through things. But before when I just neglected sleep, I did, 
I thought that was just a part of the nature of the beast. And then as a result of lack of sleep, physiologically, I would just not be able to think and I'd end up worrying. It was a really odd cycle. And then, you know, many entrepreneurs, then they have to make up for that. And after a long day of work, then they, then they sip on the bottle and, you know, this cycle just continues to repeat itself. So if I could go back, I would worry less. And then practically speaking, you know, you need a good runway in terms of cash flow and ideally six months of your personal expenses set aside because it's going to take a good time. I was talking to somebody the other day starting his real estate business and, you know, how many people are in the real estate business now? Right. And, you know, his runway is, is shrinking. And, um, you know, we had to give him a hard deadline because he's running out of runway. And that's okay, you know, but I'm not going to let him lose his his own personal family house over this business. So make sure you have an adequate runway and try your best to get enough sleep and not worry. Yeah. And I would throw in there as well, make sure you have somebody you can talk about your financial situations. I mean, it takes a village to do damn near anything. And even though a lot of entrepreneurs are starting a business, go as solopreneurs, you know, you better have an attorney you're talking to. You better have a financial advisor, wealth advisor you're talking to, a good banker, you know, a CPA, having that team together to advise you along that, that journey. It's so important. Uh, there's wisdom in the council of advisors. And so making sure you have that group. Here's the thing for me, though. I had some of those people. I just didn't listen to them because I knew better. Right. <laughs> and that's foolishness. And today I have mentors and coaches that I personally hired. I pay them a ton of money. I can't believe the money I pay my coaches now. It's more than I made. Let me just tell you that. It's more than I made when I started because that advice is gold to me. The other day I was in Minneapolis and meeting with my coach and he gave me one nugget that completely changed the course of my thinking. And so not only gathering this group of people around you, which is so important, but also listening to them. And even if it doesn't quite make sense, still listen to them because they know what they're doing or they've been there and they've done that. That's important. That's nice. What was the nugget? Cause I know everybody's going to want to know what was the nugget that he gave you that, that changed the course. Uh, yeah, so one of the things is there was a handful, but one I want to mention is our business is getting a little bit more complex. When I first started as an entrepreneur, I could move things so fast because it was me and a few people. And so if I made a decision, we just run with it. I was getting, I'm honestly getting so frustrated as the leader of this organization that we can't move as fast. And what he told me, because he's now running very, very multifaceted business, what he told me was when you get into an organization that has many components, Things don't move as fast and you have to be okay with it. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll be okay with it. It just, it was frustrating to me and I was just feeling anxious and frustrated and kind of almost resentful for people not letting me move fast. But with that advice, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let, I'm going to appreciate that. It's going to be okay. I'm going to let the process work itself out. And, and that was gold for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I was talking with one of my clients yesterday and he had very similar frustrations as he's running a multi-million dollar manufacturing company out in Tyler, Texas. And he's like, Donnie, nobody just can, works at my pace. He's like, you know, I'm there before the sun comes up. I don't leave till late in the afternoon and I can shift our entire company by doing a couple of things and nobody else runs as hard as I do. And I made one simple choice. I said, of course not. It's your business. Nobody's going to ever work as hard on your business as you are. <laughs> you know, you know, that's awesome. So. A lot of cool big things happening in your life, and this, that's really awesome. And I've really enjoyed this this conversation. I'm glad you came in here. How do people get in touch with you, uh, reach out, get advice, talk to your advisors, 
Facebook stalk you, whatever else? <laughs> you know, I really want to try to serve as many people as possible. First of all, for your small business owner clients and listeners, they can get my first book is Small Business Big Pressure, and that's on Amazon. And that both, I have three books, but that one I think is for your small business owners be very helpful. Much of what we've done is in playbook for running businesses in there. My third book just came out. That's 18280. And that one's designed to help people make better decisions with their money. Very practical. That one's endorsed by Dave Ramsey. So that one is, both of them are really good, but one's more personal, one's more business. They can grab that as content right away and just start learning more. They can also visit our website, paxfinancialgroup.com. It's P-A-X, financialgroup.com. We've got some resources in there. You can certainly shoot me an email or you can find me through there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn's actually, I'll tell you this, LinkedIn's actually one of the best places to connect with me. I just find it to be a very professional forum versus Twitter. I would prefer LinkedIn over Twitter, so you can always find me there. Well, that's awesome. And we'll put links, guys, from his social profiles and for the books in the show notes as well. Well, brother, here's how I like to wrap up every show, and I do stump some people with this, so be forewarned. If you could leave my audience of champions with a quote, a saying, a phrase, a motto, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it and maybe going through the dark side of their life, what would be that quote or phrase you would say, remember this? Okay, so when I sat down with that guy that read the Bible, right, more than me, here's what he told me. And I don't know if God was speaking through him or not, so I don't know. But he said, are you done yet? Are you done living the life you can never live? Are you done worrying? Are you done? And, and I, I would ask your listeners, are you done yet? Are you done trying to put all this pressure on you, all this worry, all this stress? Are you done? And if so, then make a change. And so I don't think putting all this pressure and worry on you is the way that you need to live life. You can still work hard, be successful, and do great things. I know I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm just not worrying anymore. So if you're done... I think you have to find something different to replace that worry with. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for that wisdom, brother. You should get that put on a T-shirt with your company logo on there. Uh, Well, Daryl, I really appreciate you jumping on here, brother. It's been an honor having you on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor as well. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, 
go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.